You're listening to the EdTech Startup Showcase, an original series produced by the Bee Podcast Network. Hey, everyone, and thanks for joining us. My name is Scott Schutte, co-host of The Fabulous Learning Nerds, and your host for today. I'll be taking you through the stories of some of the wonderful emerging companies in EdTech. In this episode, we're going to hear all about pedagogy.cloud. We'll find out how they got started, their vision for transforming teaching and learning, and the way they're currently supporting educators just like yourself. My guest today is Preeton Shaw, founder and CEO of pedagogy.cloud and pedagog.ai. Preeton is a visionary education entrepreneur and Harvard alumni, leading United for Social Change and pedagogy.cloud. Blending extensive teaching experience with technology, Preeton's dedicated to innovating learning and integrating artificial intelligence to prepare our students for the future. Preeton, welcome to the show, my friend. Thank you for having me. Yeah, not a problem. Listen, we gave a quick little overview for you, but I know our audience is hungry for more. Could you give a nice little overview of where you're from, how you got started, and how you got to where you're at with this amazing company you started? Yeah, I have a very weird pathway through education and education technology. My first venture was in high school. And so as a sophomore in high school, we were doing like peer-to-peer tutoring as a nonprofit that I had founded to provide it was like an under-resourced neighborhood nearby. And then we started thinking about which ways we could use technology to make all of this more accessible and grow our impact. And that was the first time that I picked up the coding book, tried to figure out how to build a website and build a tutoring platform. Um, back when this was not a dime a dozen, that was kind of the first time I actually started to think about how technology can make change in education and kind of help us solve some of the perennial problems in education. And then that's like progress as the different crises have emerged in education. And for example, U4SC was born a lot out of like seeing the like, discourse Effective public discourse and like the effective civics education. I was like a freshman in college at that point, and I started thinking about the fact that like there were really cool things I was learning about how to be a good citizen in the world, like at Harvard, but that was not accessible. And like the price tag on that, the like the elitism, the restrictiveness around it, meant that like things that I think everybody should be learning at earlier ages was being taught only in very restricted environments. And so that was like, that was the second project that kind of helped me start thinking about, okay, how can we make civics education more accessible using technology? And so that's kind of how we've been thinking about U4SC. And then we like started working with folks to do really cool innovative things. We started thinking about what are ways we can better serve our students? How do we use mastery learning in platforms? And we built custom mastery learning solutions for folks. During COVID-19, we spent those years helping folks figure out how to like maintain academic extracurriculars online, innovate on them, make them more exciting, not just like sitting in a Zoom box. And we're also helping tr- schools transition to Zoom. So we kind of did a whole range of things with that crisis. And then with the AI stuff coming out, these were conversations that you know, were really like armchair conversations for me before 2023. We were talking about, oh, like this is the North Star for when this technology becomes more accessible. We can do this for students. We can do this for students on this platform. Like, this would be really cool to do. And then we started seeing that all of them came possible really quickly once this technology became more accessible. And we started working on it. And that's when we were like, folks weren't really matching our energy for it. And we were getting a lot of folks who were much more scared off by people talking about the plagiarism angle, the cheating angle. And no one was as excited as me about like, oh, like all the cool things we can do with technology. And that's really where a lot of the current projects have borne out of this. Getting folks to A, deal with the crises that it has created, because that is a real problem, the problems that AI has created. But also start to see the potential for where we can be as an education system. Excellent. Awesome. So help me understand the opportunity as you see it today and how your organization is kind of meeting learners and educators in that space to solve for it. 
Yeah, this is one where I think we still have a pretty hard time as a country getting folks to build out the digital literacy that I think is needed in order to fully embrace what the potential of AI technology is and deal with the challenges it's creating. Unfortunately, my go-to example for this is during the pandemic, we spent a lot of time building really cool things. Well, we, the bulk of my time was spent helping folks train teachers how to mute and unmute their microphones on Zoom. That was, that's just the reality for tech literacy across the country. And folks were still learning how to use Google Docs for the first time and Google Classroom for the first time. And there was, this, there was basic tech literacy we were building out. While we were also doing some really cool innovative things and starting to think about like what would push, what can we do with technology? And these days, that's, that's is similar. There's t- lots of time I spend inside schools working with individual teachers, showing them the difference between a Google search box and making a chat GPT account and putting in a, a simple prompt. And then we're building really cool tools that I think will hopefully be the kinds of things that will make education much more interesting and engaging. And so we're trying to do, handle it from both angles, getting people caught up to where technology is and also trying to keep innovating and start to see like, where we can be. Yeah, the pandemic was a pretty big wake-up call for all of us, right? All of a sudden, whoa! <laughs> How I used to do things, I, I, I can't do them the way I used to. And now I'm forced to do them a different way. And we all really struggled through that. So it's really essential that pedagogy is around for folks to help them hone in their skills and really try to think forward. Like what some of the things that I've been noticing in the series is there's a real need for us to change our paradigm. Right. So the paradigms that used to work for us are not necessarily valid or relevant anymore. And and that's where ed tech startups like yourself become crucial for us to move forward. But without that idea or the say, shouldn't say the safety net, but the the comfort, so to speak, to be open to change and open to shifting your paradigm, sometimes radically shifting our paradigms from a learning perspective becomes really, really problematic. Help me understand your primary product is pedagog.ai, correct? Could you explain to our audience what's that about and what what advantages it brings um, to what they do? Yeah. So pedagog.ai was born out of trying to be a one-stop shop for folks for all elements after getting caught up with AI and education. And so we have everything from an online accredited three-credit graduate course in AI and education to a crash course for someone who's just like, what I just like, was ignoring all of this, but clearly it's not going away. We do in-person PD, and then we built cool tech solutions. And so we have a suite of tech tools in our library where teachers who don't want to really figure out how to prompt and just want to start seeing what exactly can AI do? Can I use a more drag and drop type situation where you put in some answers and questions and it gets you some lesson plans, worksheets, uh, Bloom's taxonomy scaffolding. Uh, I think we put out an essay prompt generator today. It's all kinds of little tools so teachers can start to see like what AI is even capable of doing without spending a lot of time learning what is ChatGPT, what's Claude, all that kind of stuff. We're also working on solutions for teachers to use in their classrooms. So we are starting to see more teachers who are like, have t- you know, taken our courses, read the books that we've put out, gotten the background knowledge about where the technology is, and now want to think about the innovative tech. That's really where I'd like to be. And a lot of this other work we're doing is just try, is, is the word to get caught up and get everybody caught the conversations necessary for us to embrace that technology. While we're like primarily an ed tech company, we spend a lot more time doing like the teaching, the education, and the thought leadership in the area because that's, I think, necessary in order for the ed tech to actually have true value in the space. And then, so, and we're working on like the tools, right? So, like the Socrat tool, for example, teachers can kind of assign custom chatbots for their students and see a transcript of the conversation. It's a much more safeguarded, limited environment from teacher to have a, um, a, a use AI in their classrooms. And it kind of solves some of the initial pain points we were hearing. I suppose we're like, oh, like, we don't want them to do talk about anything. We want to see what they talk about. We still use their creativity. So it's not like they're not pre-fixed assignments that a teacher can put out. They're really like, you can kind of fill out a form and 
assign a Socratic dialogue about anything you're teaching in the classroom or have the student use it for as a study guide um, for anything in your classroom. So we're trying to like blend teacher creativity with the tech in these spaces and not try to provide really rigid solutions and kind of allow for like the, the symbiotic like innovation between um, both the teachers and the technology. So it sounds to me like you've got a solution, not just for people who might be, um, dare I say, completely lost, which is fine, right? Especially in today's environment, like, I don't know where to go. I'm going to go to Pedagogue AI and we're going to get started. And I'm going to learn about this stuff because I need to learn about this stuff in order to meet the demands of, of the workspace today or our education today. And also those people that, man, I, I, what is possible, right? So I know a little bit about or more than dangerous about where technology is, but I really need some tools, really a great place to, to get some tools as well. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. And for those folks, we also like offer, we're working on lesson plans. So we put out regularly weekly lesson plans for different creative ways that they can integrate AI into the classrooms. Everything from using our tools and not using our tools, but we're just like, how would you use AI to teach outlining an essay? How would you use AI to have a conversation about George Washington or maybe teach students and make it engaging? And so those are for the folks who are like pro AI, have gotten all that baseline knowledge, are starting to embrace it. But I just want to start thinking about what are all the various ways that we can like start innovating on the things that we already need to do, right? Like there's there's larger conversations we can have about like where what kinds of systematic and paradigm shifts we need in our educational systems. Um, but those aren't too many attempts. In the meantime, like we need to start thinking about like how do we build on what we're already doing? How do we meet the standards that we already have to meet? How do we get the students prepared for the tests that aren't going to disappear overnight, but using the new technology that we can kind of use? Um, while still talking about why we should get rid of the tasks and innovate beyond that in the long term. Yeah, sounds great. Do you have any favorites? Like, if, not to give away all of your intellectual property, but is are there a couple of them that this is so cool? And I'm glad I thought about this. I want to share this with folks. Yeah. So this one's actually not out yet. It will be out at the end of the month. But Socrat is going to be able to customize its custom set of questions for different students' interests. And so basically, like if there's math problems or math work problems, a student can kind of go in and have a profile with, oh, like I'm interested in like Disney, baseball and ninjas. And the math problems are customized to those particular context areas. And that's a tool we're really excited about because that really starts to show like how we can still achieve like shared curricular goals, but like start to make them more engaging and fun for students. And that's where we sort of really think like, what is what is the next level of like integrating these things beyond just like ch chatting as a chatbot? But there's so much more we can do. And that's it. so we're pretty excited about getting that out. That sounds wonderful. That's great. So talk to me a little about your vision, right? So you're doing a lot of really great stuff. But where do we take pedagogy? Where does it go? We're starting with a lot of like catch-up work where we're trying to reach the school districts who haven't spent the years like thinking about all the different education technology solutions that have come out and are finding themselves like a little bit more flustered because they're they have to there's a little bit less of a choice than there was a few years ago. And this is where like I think during even during COVID, some of these school districts got away with not building that digital literacy because there was an end. Like, we didn't know when, but like we all kind of knew that this was like we didn't need to completely revamp education forever. And so a lot of these districts spent some years putting in these banding solutions, which we we were part of because we thought that was that was the right way to like get things quickly, appropriately fixed for students. But now we need to actually like spend the time building that digital literacy, building that tech literacy, getting folks to see where the technology is right now, where it can be in a few years, and what that means for everything we're doing, right? There's so many larger applications to this that involve just conversations. And so a huge part of our work is just going out there and talking to folks, like, and getting them convinced that this technology is not going anywhere and that we can do cool things with it. So that, that's, you know, like our, our like next five-year plan is probably like reach as many school districts as possible and have, start these conversations about what do your teachers need to know in order to like actually make use of this technology 
know what the students are doing at home with the technology. And also, what can you be doing to solve the problems that you've been facing? There's ways we can solve problems that the school districts have been trying to like figure out solutions for that have become much more easily solvable already. Like student engagement problems, differentiation problems. Those are all problems that like AI already, the technology that exists today makes easier. And this stuff is innovating at rapid paces. And so the kinds of problems we'll solve even in six months will be even more exciting and even more like longer lasting. Yeah, that's really great. Talk to me a little bit about your journey. Like, where are you at now? Who are you talking to now? And then where do you want to build in the future? Yeah. So, I mean, right now, this is where, like, I think we're having these fun conversations with a lot of folks who have started to think about these things. And so there are, there are lots of conversations we'll have with admin staff. And they're like, I've been trying to push for mastery-based learning in my school system for years. And now I finally have, like, a, 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 a robust reason for why it's urgent to switch our mastery-based learning, because that's my be a better outlook for students in terms of assessment criteria, getting students engaged and um, feel motivated to actually like do the assignments when everything can be plagiarized, quote unquote. And there's an incentive to plagiarize this higher, but like this is the great base system that's like punitive. And so those kinds of conversations are great because those are the kind of conversations that I think can start thinking about, okay, like now how do we build tech-based mastery learning solutions that help students do the right amount of practice, get tested multiple different times, whatever ways make sense for them to show their mastery in the topic area and then build on that. And so that's where, like, I think this is where so many of the technology solutions we do are custom built. So we work independently with like different nonprofits or smaller schools, and we build them solutions that make sense for that. So a particular school might have a particular curriculum they already want, and the, the boilerplate, like, here's what we already have created for everybody approach works at some large scale institutions. But we find that like lots of smaller schools that are trying to meet the needs of a particular student population like the option to have something custom built. Even though it's SoCred, that's the model we're taking where we're working out building like custom school build SoCred bots where they're like school mascots. It's not SoCred, it's like school mascot where they're talking to, they're engaging in like assignment types of the admin and the teachers have like collaborated on and thought about together. And that's kind of the vision we're seeing for this. We can really build custom tailored solutions for different student populations using this great technology. And a lot of this is going to require really great conversations with folks about where we're headed, what we can do, and why we shouldn't even think about doing any of this at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really cool. In your journey, I'm sure there have been some learnings, right? Could you share a couple of those with our audience? I really hope that this would have gone this way, but it went this way. And here's what I learned from this. And this is how we're delivering something new and better. Yeah, I mean that that first the first lesson I think the like that is like really top of mind right now is the like the excitement difference between the tech folks and the tech folks and like an, an average teacher. And I think I was like I realized how much of a bubble I was in when I was thinking about the AI stuff because I just like it wasn't real enough for me to have had enough conversations with folks on the ground about it. And so I was caught up in my bubble for years about all the potential cool things and excitement and looking at the research coming out and thinking about all like, you know, I had nerded out about learning Sanskrit using large language models in college. It was just like this was all just fascinating and cool and interesting. And then the realization that everyone is excited about the same things as you. And that there's fear and other emotions at play that you're not feeling and then trying to understand those and build solutions that tackle those first. That That's definitely been the biggest lesson of the last year, at least. Even like the book, when I initially, I conceptualized it, I was like, oh, we can talk about all the different things that our education system needs to do with the future and our meet the need of AI. And my publisher's like, well, maybe start a little bit further back and just tell people not to be scared of this first, right there. She, she was like, we need to like start a little bit with like why this stuff is even not going anywhere. What are the basic implications of it? Like, what, why should we not just like ban it from all of our classrooms? That's where a lot of these conversations still are across the country. And so, while, yeah, I'd love to sit here and talk to you about what this means for how to conceptualize the purpose of education, what kinds of amazing solutions can we do to help students become better humans long term. That's, we're, we're not there yet as a society. 
And so learning that like all that excitement that's happened in the armchair isn't really practical. That's been the hardest lesson to learn, I think. What was fighting there? Yeah, I mean, we're human, right? So most of us are allergic to change. You know what I'm saying? Like there's a way that I, the way I run my week, it's the same. And if you throw a curveball at me, not so much. And I, it's so funny that you say that because I think a lot of us, I, I'm just like you in, in many ways, like I'm a, I'm a learning nerd. I, I love stuff like this, right? I love new tech. I love to talk about it. And not everybody's there. And I remember distinctly when ChatGTP was first coming out in into the public realm where a lot of people were talking about it last year. And I quickly signed up at OpenAI and I went to my team and I said, check this out. And I wrote a video script, which would normally take me, I don't know, an hour in 30 seconds, right? And it was pretty good. And they were all like, wow, that's really cool. And then we never talked about it again because they were so afraid of it. They're like, oh my gosh, this is going to take my job. Well, no, it's not going to take your job, but it can help make your job a little bit easier. And so, you know, there are people that dive into the deep end of the pool and are, are ready to get going. But I think a lot of us really just prefer the, hey, I need to kind of wade in from the shallow end and then feel good about that. So I think that that's a really great learning and really glad that you shared that with us. It's super important, right? So yeah, getting people all on board and, and providing that visibility to what could be and how it could be better, I think is a lot more challenging than we think it is. And then again, the gut check for people like us is, this is so cool. You can't, you see, can't you see how cool this is? This is so cool. And folks, it really is cool. It really, truly is. And that's where I think pedagogy can really, really help you. So I think that's awesome. What motivates you if you're thinking about this and, you know, think about the journey that you're on and where you're going? Like, what are you thinking about? What, what gets you motivated at each and every day to provide more? Yeah. Wow. That's a, that's a deeper question. I think the, the crux of my projects is about figuring out how we can get our students to enjoy the learning process. And I think tech is like my favorite tool. For that. So like, I like to describe myself as like a philosopher who codes rather than a coder who philosophizes, because I think the crux of it is how can we build a better society? How can we get students to show up to school and enjoy the learning process intrinsically? How can we all have healthy relationships with each other, whether it be like in our interpersonal like daily lives or as societies? And so I think tech is a very a useful tool to do some of those things. But the, the core motivation is, is that, I think, is the, is the, can we figure out ways to make our, make our be happier through the learning process? And make the world a better place. I think that's, think that's really awesome. Tell us a little bit about your book. You know, you, you wrote this book, you know, share with our audience a little bit more about it, the, the process and that, what it's about. Yeah. So the book, it kind of does what I, I've been like saying is like where we think we, the starting place for a lot of this is. And so it assumes like no background in artificial intelligence, machine learning, or really not even like a heavy background in any sort of education technology. And it walks a like a, a average teacher um, at the K-12 higher ed level through what are the basic implications for this today? Like how are students using it to like plagiarize? What are their initial concerns about it? What are some innovative ways you can use it in your so there's examples of how you can use it to create those lesson plans, create those worksheets, use it to do your own professional development. And then it leaves folks with a lot of questions. And this is where the philosopher side comes out a little bit more, where I think there's there's a lot of like there's a lot of things that will change about our society as a whole. So like I think sometimes these conversations we're having them in like at tech circles is really siloed to like, oh, like we can build this tool, we can do this really cool thing and solve this problem that we've always had. 
But like, there's an outside world that's also dramatically going to change because of the AI. Like, this is not isolated. This change is not isolated to technology or technology and education. Um, and we'll have to ask really big questions about like, how do we? What is what is our economy based off of? Like, what is what, how is labor produced? Like, how do we value la- human labor versus the AI? Like, all those kinds of big questions will be nece- like have to be answered within it, right? Like, the near future, I think it's nearer than most folks realize it is. And that has implications for how we teach, right? Like, what is the purpose of fundamental purpose of education? Um, this dramatically influenced by what does society look like. And so some of those questions are are there so we can start thinking about them. I don't pretend to have any of these answers, but it's definitely supposed to start the conversations I can hopefully, as these changes happen, we're sort of adapting. Well, this is really exciting stuff. Like as you think about artificial intelligence, you think about its impact, and we can't, you kind of briefly touched about its impact on, on society as a whole. Like, are you are you optimistic or what what gets you really excited about the potential? If you could leave some kind of feeling, especially for those people that might be, eh, I don't know about this. And there's plenty of those people. What would you say to them? Yeah, I think they're right. And I think the book takes this middle line stance too, which is that I think there's, there should be guarded excitement. And I know like when I'm sitting in like my office, like coding, um, it's very easy to just get caught up with excitement. But I think the reality is that the guardedness is appropriate because I, I, it's, it's not, it's not taking it for granted that this is only good potential outcomes. They're really large ethical questions that we have to ask about how the technology is built, how we value the labor that's put into it, even like, you know, the human reinforcement learning behind it, the environmental cost of the technology. And then what it means for the job market, what it means for folks who can't compete in the job market for how like how we train folks to adapt quickly when jobs disappear overnight. Universal basic income and whether or not we implement those kinds of things. Like there's there's real big questions and if we don't handle properly, it would be like harmful to a lot of folks, but not helpful. The optimism, and I think the, the excitement comes from the fact that if we have these conversations now, if we're thinking about it early enough and we're shaping how the technology is regulated and built and who's in charge of it, and even like what mindset are the developers going in with, I think we can embrace all of this stuff too, be positive. At the end of the day, we like humans are in control of the technology right now. And so if we're finding ways to think critically about it, deeply about it, to make it productive for society, I'm optimistic that that, is, that can be an outcome. But I share the garden is about like, I'm not sleeping soundly at night thinking that everything will be 100% okay without a lot of influence from a lot of different folks playing a role in that. Right. And, and I think that's the world we live in today, really, is this idea that the responsibility and the onus around all the change and what I'm going to learn from it is really up to me, right? So, I, you know, it's really important that we educate ourselves. It's really important that you, you know, whatever information that you get, that you get a second opinion, that, that, you, that you're well-versed in all this kind of stuff. I think we've had a decade or, or so of just kind of listening to what everybody's going to tell us. And I think it's really important for us to be educated, to be, to be learned in, in what's going on around us so that we can lead people forward in a way that uh, is based on you know, based on what we've learned and not necessarily what somebody else might be telling me, which is cool. We're getting to that point where we're going to need to start wrapping up. So what I'd like to do is give you the opportunity to share with folks some things that you think are really important that we haven't had an opportunity to talk about yet and kind of leave them with a summary of where you're at, where you're going and what's important to you. I think the key message is that everything that motivates us as educators has not changed overnight. The kinds of things that people go into education for, the kind of impact they want to have intrinsically, 
what excites them about the light bulb moment in a classroom, what makes them feel nice about a particular letter from a student years later. All of those things have not changed dramatically. And so while there's a lot of rhetoric about education being completely revamped overnight and everything being like everything as we know it being done, the human elements of education are the same. The elements that motivate teachers, the reasons why we want to have a public education system, those are all the same. And so I'm hoping folks can kind of take some time to think, okay, there are lots of differences out there. And how can we reconcile those two things? How can we continue to enjoy the parts of education that we find fruitful, continue to do the things we want to do for our students, but use it, the technology that's out there in ways that serves them better and not stuck? And I'm hoping that some of our work helps folks start to see some of those pictures and do some of that as well. Fantastic. Could you do me a favor? Could you let our audience know how they can get a hold of you? Our Instagram is my first place that I recommend folks check out. It's at Pedagogy Cloud. We post whatever updates are most necessary for teachers to know. We post prompts and examples on there. All sorts of like whatever you need to know about AI education that you kind of want to filter out the noise. Our Instagram is a great starting place. And then AI in the Future of Education, Teaching in the Age of Artificial Intelligence is the book. And it's available anywhere you buy books. And the audiobook should be coming out in about a week. So um, if you're someone who likes to listen to podcasts and audiobooks, that's an option as well. That's fantastic. Did you read the book? I was not the narrator. They, uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I'm like, I think I'm thankful for that. So, <laughs> hey, well, you got more important things to do than the read your own book, which is fantastic. Breeden, thanks so much for showing up, folks. The book is AI and the Future of Education. You can get it today at Amazon.com. Breeden, thanks so much for joining us today, and we'll see you next time. Hey, folks, could you do me a favor? Could you hit that like button, hit that subscribe button, and share this episode with your friends and colleagues? To learn more about this series and our other amazing content, be sure to follow the B Podcast Network on Twitter, LinkedIn, or subscribe to our email list at bpodcast.network. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on our next amazing episode.